The following sermon audio has been brought to you by Christ Church Downtown. For more information, go to Christkirk.com. And all God's people said, Amen. Let us rise and worship the triune God. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who are in awe of him. You will hear their cry and save them. From, sec- from 2 Samuel 22, 47 to 49. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let God be exalted, the rock of my salvation. It is God who avenges me and subdues the peoples under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Lift up your hearts. Let's pray. Father, you are indeed a God of vengeance, and yet you have sent your son Jesus to save us from the condemnation we justly deserve. Because of this grace, we sing and shout to you this morning, blessed be my rock, the rock of my salvation, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask that you would receive our worship now in his name, and amen. Well, last week we finished our study on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we begin a new series of exhortations from the book of Proverbs. So, uh, do you know what Proverbs is all about? When I say Proverbs, what comes into your mind? Well, to start, Proverbs is wisdom literature. That's the genre we give it. You can imagine Uh, The wisest king that ever lived sat down and hand-wrote you some personal advice. Would you read it? Would you obey it? Well, that's what this book is. Infallible, inspired, Holy Ghost instruction from a king to his son. Just listen to the first six verses and Listen for all the reasons Solomon gives for writing this book. If Proverbs is a a treasure chest of riches, here is the gold that is inside. Listen to the first six verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. To the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. So notice that there are riddles and enigmas here. Proverbs is advice given to you in the form of a kind of like a a puzzle or a brain teaser that you must solve. And it is in the solving of that riddle, that puzzle, that you become like a wise king. That is where the wisdom is found. And if you do that, then you are able to then judge righteously and rule in God's kingdom, which is what all of us are meant to grow up into. We are co-heirs with Christ, remember. But a kingly throne, righteous judgment, and the riches of wisdom are all locked away. And there is only one key that gives us access to this knowledge. Can you guess what that key is? Well, we are told in verse 7, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
The fear of the Lord is the passcode, the secret handshake, the key to the treasures of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is hallowing God's name and honoring him. It is an awareness of God's godness and your notness. The first step in fearing the Lord is acknowledging that you are not the Lord. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. That's what it means to fear God. And if you do this, if you fear the Lord, if you humble yourself before him, then you are welcomed into his inner ring. You are invited into his divine counsel, and you will reign forever with Jesus in the kingdom of God. So the exhortation is this. Consider the king's advice and obey it. Read Proverbs this week. Solve the riddles and use the answer key, which is the fear of the Lord. From Psalm 106.6, we have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. Father, we confess that we have chased knowledge and understanding as if it could be found apart from you or outside of Jesus Christ. We have dishonored you in our schools, in our homes, and in our hearts by treating you as irrelevant, secondary, and optional. Forgive us for being proud fools and thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. We ask that you would bring to mind now all the ways that we need to repent. We confess those individual sins to you now in Selah. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, and amen. Please rise for the assurance of pardon. From Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Saints of Christ Church, because you have confessed your sins to God, it is my joy to announce to you that your sins are forgiven through Christ. Thank you, God. And amen. Our sermon text this morning is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. This is following the birth of Jesus when his parents, Joseph and Mary, bring Jesus into the temple. And behold... There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined 
for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that we can sing, comfort, comfort your people. Father, we are a people who need your comfort. And so we ask that even now that you would reveal your son to us this morning, so that when we leave this place, that we too, like Simeon, would thank God that our eyes have seen your salvation and your consolation that is for us, for all people. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. And amen. amen. Please be seated. <coughs> so this is uh, the beginning of a new season. This is the season of snowflakes and winter craft fairs. This is a season of cold and stuffed up noses as I'm experiencing right now. Uh, I do have a first-hand appreciation for the insult of a mouth breather. And uh, I feel like that is a, an insult that we should incorporate a little bit more. Uh, so please bear with me as, uh, as I breathe through my mouth. But most importantly, this is a new season of Advent. This is a season of waiting in anticipation before the arrival of Jesus at Christmas. There are two traditions that have developed during the season of Advent. One of those is wishing, making wish lists. And the second part is then waiting for those wishes. So a common question is, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want? And you answer by then making a wish list. You write down all the things that you hope for, the gifts that you really would love to have, your desires, and then you share that wish list with, with those who hopefully can give you some of those wishes. So it might be your parents, your brother, your sister, your wealthy uncle, Santa, Amazon, which is kind of like Santa for adults. See, Advent, Advent is the season that reveals your wishes, your wants, your desires. But Advent is also a season of waiting. And we got this tradition that you buy someone else a, a gift, let's say on Black Friday, you wrap it up and then you put it under a Christmas tree and then your kid has to wait a whole month before they can open it. Right? And to make it even worse, you write their name on it. Right? And say, here it is, but don't touch it. Well, depending on how strict you are. It's like, you can't touch it, you can't hold it, you can't smell it. you got to wait for that good thing. Why? Because Advent is a season of waiting for your desires. Advent does reveal our desires, but these desires go much deeper than your gift list. This is a time when your hopes your longings, your aches emerge. And this is often the season when you give voice, as the Christmas carol says, to all your hopes and fears of all the years that will be met in that little town of Bethlehem. What do you want? Maybe you do want to be home 
for Christmas. Maybe you want your home not to, be, not to feel like it's a, it's a demilitarized zone with fighting. Or what do you want? Maybe you want to get married. You want your friend to have relief from that lingering sickness. You don't want your dad to be angry. You want to get things right with that person. Advent reveals your desires. But also, Advent reveals that people, as a people, we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. We are like that little kid with his gift under the tree, and we quickly get tired of waiting. And it's not just like that little kid. It's like our parents, like Adam and Eve, who said, God said, don't touch this good thing that's not under the tree, but that's on the tree. We want that good thing. We grow impatient at God's making us wait. We don't trust that God's going to give us every good and perfect gift in his good timing. So what do we do? We either grab, we grasp, we grab, we demand the good thing. Or if we don't or if we can't get what we want, then we grow frustrated. We get pouty. We get bitter against God. And often we take that out on the people around us. How many of us, because we are tired of waiting, are wallowing in frustration? We are miserable. We are moping in our misery. We are pouting in our impatience. Well, this is Advent. This is Advent. This is an opportunity that we have to want and to wait as Christians, as those who are waiting for Christ and his consolation. How do, we, how do we do this? We need to learn how to want and how to wait like Simeon, like this man in the story. See, Simeon was a man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and he was filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit led Simeon to Jesus Christ. So as we're working through the story, we're going to look at how we can want like Simeon, how we can wait like Simeon. So if you have not already done so, you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. That's where the story of Simeon picks up. As I already said, that Jesus has already been born. So we've already had the angel make the announcement to the virgin Mary that she will conceive by the Holy Spirit and that she will give birth to the Son of God. So we already have Joseph and a very pregnant Mary have traveled to Bethlehem, and then there she has given birth to Jesus. The heavens have already erupted with the, the angels singing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The shepherds have shuffled in uh, to visit Jesus. And now... At this point in the story, Joseph and Mary are bringing the infant Jesus to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices. And it's here at this temple that they meet a man who is waiting. So Luke introduces Simeon in verses 25 and 26. He says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
And this man was just and devout, waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was, was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon, this is quite the introduction, right? He is described as a just and a devout man. And as such, he is waiting. He is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation. Consolation means comfort, compassion, healing. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. As a devout man, this guy would have known the scriptures. He would have known the promises that God has given to his people of what this comfort, what this consolation would look like. So one of those scriptures are Isaiah 40, just like the song that we sang before. It says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. What is the comfort that the Lord gives? It's not just an encouraging side hug. It's not just a kind word. The comfort of the Lord ends wars. The comfort of the Lord brings peace. It pardons sin. And that is what Simeon longs for. He says, when he is waiting for Israel's consolation, we find that Israel is not just waiting for a thing, right? but he is waiting for a person. He is waiting for the Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ. See, the Spirit has revealed to Simeon that he would not see death until he has seen the Lord's Christ. He's not going to see death until he has seen a person. So consolation is coming to Israel. There is comfort coming to God's people. Why? Because their Christ, their Messiah, their Savior is coming to Israel. Um, I don't know if this is just my cold, but it sounds like it's kind of ringing in here. Can we, uh, is it just me? A little bit? Take a sip. Maybe it'll be better. Ah, it is better. All right. <laughs> so there is comfort coming to God's people. Why? Because Christ is coming. Simeon believes this. He hears the Lord's promises, and so he waits. Right. How is he waiting? He is waiting as, a, as a, a just and as a devout man. He is waiting as someone who has the Holy Spirit is upon him. I think it's worth noting that here's a guy who is filled with the Spirit, and because he is filled with the Spirit, he has to wait. That means that you can be filled with the Spirit and not have everything that you want. You can be filled with the Spirit and not get everything that you desire right now. Isn't that backwards from how we often think? Right? I, if I got the Spirit, then I get everything that I want. No, because he is filled with the Spirit, then he waits. But when you are filled with the Spirit, then you start to want the things that God wants. 
You are directed to want the things that God wants. You see here, Simeon waited for, he longed for God's comfort to come to Israel and to his people. And guess what? That is exactly what God wanted to do. God wanted to bring consolation to his people. God wanted to bring comfort to his people. All right, so what are you waiting for? What do you want? Well, if you are a Christian, if you have the spirit of God upon you, then the spirit is going to teach you to long for the things that God wants. Right, do you long for the nations to be drawn from the east into the west to come to Jesus? Right? Do you want the Koreans? Do you want the Iranians? Do you want the Moscovites? Do you want these people to come to Jesus? Do you ache that the brokenhearted may be made whole? Do you want the wicked to be punished? Do you long for every tongue to confess Jesus as Lord? See, when you are filled with the Spirit, then you wait in the Spirit, but then you want what the Spirit wants. God promises these things, but they're not yet. So many of these things are not yet, and so you wait. So we have the Spirit was upon Simeon, and this guy, this man, waited. But when Simeon waits in the Spirit, then the Spirit leads Simeon to Christ. That's what the Spirit does. When you have the Spirit upon you, the Spirit always leads you to Jesus. Verses 27 and 28, he says, So Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Right, so Simeon is prompted to go to the temple in Jerusalem because that's where Jesus will be. And if the temple is anything like it would be 30 years from now, you can just imagine it was full of hustle and bustle, right? The temple is a busy place. It's in the, the heart of the capital city of Israel. And so this is about a month, month and a half after Jesus is born. So perhaps Mary and Joseph had just hiked up from Bethlehem, about a seven-mile hike. They shoulder their way into the temple, Joseph has just bought two pigeons or turtle doves, and you got these birds are flapping, and Joseph is trying to figure out which line to get in to sacrifice. And all of a sudden, this stranger comes up and scoops up their baby. <laughs> right? He's like, whoa, whoa. You know, you already have like weird experiences with people coming up and pregnant wife and touches your touches her stomach and winkos like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, this guy scoops up the baby. <laughs> And what's the reaction, right? Child abduction. But what is the spirit doing, right? The spirit has prompted Simeon, Simeon, go to the temple. I have someone I want you to meet. And so this spirit-filled stranger comes and snatches up their son. And this may seem like an odd question, but what right did Simeon have to go to Jesus? And what right did he have? What are his credentials of this guy to go up to a mother, scoop up her baby, and dedicate this child? Bless God, bless these parents. Right? Like This is a very, very 
bold move. And there's no mention if Simeon is authorized as, like, maybe he's a priest, right? But we're not told. Like, Zacharias, John's, uh, John's dad, we know that Luke says he was a priest. That's why he was in the temple. That's why he could dedicate a baby. But here, we don't know anything about Simeon. He, we don't know if he is a priest. But what are his credentials? Why can he go to Jesus? Well, his credentials are that he is filled with the Spirit. He's filled with the Spirit. And because of that, Simeon goes to Jesus. Luke highlights the Spirit's direction three times in three verses. It says that the Holy Spirit is upon him. Verse, 20, verse 25. He has received revelation from the Holy Spirit. Verse 26. And Simeon is led by the Spirit to the temple. Right? Luke makes it very clear that Simeon, or that the Spirit leads Simeon to Jesus. I think what Paul or what Luke is communicating here is that Simeon is a picture, a forerunner for what God will do for his people in the church. Luke, or Simeon, is an early Christian man. He says, all Christians who have the Spirit are led to Christ. And, get this, if you have the Spirit, you are authorized to go. You can go to Jesus. If you have the Spirit, there is nothing stopping you from going to Jesus Christ. You can go just like Simeon. Luke records in Acts, second book that he wrote, that when Peter is preaching, that if you have repented of your sins, and if you are baptized in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit upon you. Just like Simeon. If you repent of your sins, if you are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, then God's going to give you his Holy Spirit. You will have the Spirit just like Simeon has the Spirit. You too have received revelation from the Spirit. Right? It's not the specific revelation that Simeon got that you're going to see the Lord's Christ before you die. Right? But we do have a revelation through the Spirit-inspired Bible, the Word of God, that we can clearly see the life of Jesus Simeon had the eyes of faith, right? not just to see this wriggling baby, right? but he saw his Messiah, his Christ. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit gives you the eyes to be able to rightly see Jesus for who he is. Right? Here's this baby coming into the temple. Right? This is the high priest of God who is going into the temple who will soon be able to make perfect intercession for his people. And so, are you, do you have the Spirit? Have you seen Jesus as he truly is revealed in the Scriptures? That means you got the same credentials as Simeon. That means that you can go to Jesus. Right? What, are your, what are your credentials? What authorization do you need? Like Simeon, it's the Holy Spirit. So if you have the Spirit, what are you waiting for? Boldly go. Because the consolation 
is here. So Simeon does. He boldly goes. He gathers Jesus in his arms, and he blesses God and says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon grabs hold of this baby and then he bursts forth in doxology. We don't know if if he sang this, but this is certainly praise. This is thanksgiving to God. It says that the Lord has promised that Simeon would not see death until he has seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon sees Jesus. He's got this little baby in his hands. He sees Jesus, and then he concludes that this is the fulfillment of God's promise. That means that Jesus is the Lord's Christ. Jesus is the promised Savior that God would give. Jesus is God's salvation. And this fulfillment for Simeon was better than he hoped for. It wasn't just that he'd be able to see his Savior, catch a glimpse of him. He's able to hold him. He's able to kiss him. And Simeon says that he can now depart in peace. Having seen the Lord's Messiah, Simeon can die a happy man, a satisfied man, a fulfilled man. And often we, we use this phrase kind of jokingly, right? I can die happy now, right? So maybe some of you guys are cougar fans. Like, man, that day when the cougars beat the Huskies or finally win the Rose Bowl, like, I can die happy now. Or maybe it's, maybe you're not a football fan. It's like, maybe when your grown son finally leaves your home, moves out of the basement, like, I can die happy now. <laughs> uh, maybe it's a little bit more meaningful. It's like, my son has finally married a godly woman, or my, grandco- my granddaughter is finally married off. It's like, now I can die happy. Right? I can die a satisfied person. That's what Simeon says. But the focus of this sentiment is not on the desire to die. Right? It's not like Simeon's like, oh, fine, finally, now I can die. I can hurry up and die. No, the, the, the focus is on how, the value of the thing that he has desired. Luke shows that Simeon's desire to see his Savior was so valuable, was so glorious, that nothing else in his life could experience, like, could, could match this. Right? He says, this is the best thing that I have seen in my life. If I die today, I die a happy man. And what's interesting is we don't know how old Simeon is. Right? We know that the next part of the story, uh, Anna, she comes in. She's an old woman, right? like in her 90s or something. Right? Simeon could be 23 years old. Right? He could be a young buck. And he's like, I got so much of my life ahead of me, but he is saying that I can die in peace. I can die having had a full life because I have seen my Christ. I have seen my Savior. 
I have seen the meaning of the universe, that which gives fulfillment to me. The day Simeon saw Jesus in the temple was the best day of his life. That's what he would go home and tell his wife and his kids and his grandkids, his butcher. I've seen my Savior. I can be at peace. Jesus is God's salvation that he has prepared before the face of all peoples. An important question is, what do all peoples need to be saved from? Here's God's salvation. What What do all the peoples need to be saved from? Well, the answer, the answer is in the name of Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The greatest need that all people have is that they, that you, need to be forgiven from your sins, that you have sinned against a holy God. What do you need to be saved from? You need to be saved from your sins. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. Simeon believed this. Simeon understood this, and so he received this as good tidings of great joy. Right? Simeon could depart in peace, and it was to be a true peace because he had seen the Savior for his sins. And you can have peace on earth because your warfare against the God of heaven has ceased. This is the good good news. This is the gospel. When you see Jesus as your Savior, then you can get a true happy ending at Christmas. Because isn't that what all the movies promise? Isn't that what they long for? Every Hallmark movie wants that happy ending, right? That Christmas miracle. That's what, they, that's what they promise. That's what they try to orchestrate. That's what they long for. That's what they pretend it achieves but can't fulfill, right? Maybe Christmas happiness, maybe Christmas peace will come from making it home before Christmas, Right? If I'll be home for Christmas, then I'll be happy. Or it's that first snowfall. Or it's that magical kiss. Right? You roll credits. There's got all the feels going on, the warm and fuzzies. But the problem is, is after all the credits rolls, the music ends, all those actors, all those people in real life could die and still go to hell. I say this with no joy. All of those things, all those substitutes will not bring true peace. Peace only comes when you see Jesus as your salvation. True peace only comes when you see Jesus as the Christ, as God's consolation as a light to the Gentiles, to us, as the glory of Israel. 
So Joseph and Mary, they hear what Simeon says about their boy, about their son, and they, they marvel about what he says about Jesus. And then Simeon blesses them. He blesses them and gives a specific word to Mary. Verses 34 and 35 says, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against him. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there's so much that's, that's packed in these words from Simeon. But just take note that at the very beginning of Christ's life, Simeon gives a prophetic word about the end of Jesus' life. I believe that, that all of these prophecies, that what he's talking about, are all fulfilled in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this child, this little baby, this little baby will be for the rise and fall of many in Israel. The rise and fall is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And how the world responds to the rise and fall of Jesus on the cross, they too will then rise or fall. Will you accept Jesus' salvation, forgiveness, through his crucifixion and resurrection? Or will you reject that and so fall? What is the sign of Jesus? The sign of Jesus is the sign of Jonah. Three days, three nights in death and then resurrection. Mary's soul was pierced through when she saw her son's body pierced with a sword on the cross. But remember that when Simeon says this, that he is saying all of this as a blessing, as a blessing to Mary and to Joseph. What kind of baby shower blessing is this? This is not one that you would normally write for that mom who just had a baby. Your heart's going to be pierced. But what he is saying does not seem like a blessing. This does not seem like a comfort, but a deep grief, a soul-piercing sorrow. So how was such a piercing to be a blessing for Mary? To see, to live, to see her son mocked, stripped naked, his body flayed open, brutally crucified. How is this a blessing? She was to live to see the basis of God's salvation for her sins. She was going to live to see that the crucifixion was her salvation, just as much as it is for you, for me. Simeon is revealing how God will comfort his people, how God is going to bless his people. And it's through the cross. The crucifixion of Christ is the thing that brings a consolation to the world. You can't get any other comfort, any other peace, any other consolation, except first coming through Christ at the cross. The coming of Jesus, right? We're here at the Advent season. When we celebrate when Jesus comes, when we're waiting for the Christ to come. 
The last thing that Simeon said is that the coming of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, reveals the thoughts of many hearts. Right, so what did the advent of Jesus reveal in this story, in Luke chapter 2? Simeon had a longing and an ache for the consolation of Israel. Mary had a soul-piercing sorrow. That's what was revealed with Jesus' coming. The Advent season is not, it's not the absence of grief, the absence of pain, the absence of dread, the absence of sin. Rather, this is the season of God entering into our grief, our pain, our sin. And it's God's solution for this. God's solution comes through the salvation and the consolation of Jesus. Jesus reveals your hearts. Jesus speaks truth about what's in your heart. He tells it true. So what's in your heart? What's in your heart? And if it's sin, if it's anger, if it's bitterness against God, if it's lust, if it's grasping for what you don't have, then Christ has come as your Savior. That's the good news. That's the good news that so many of you have heard again and again and again, and it's still true. Jesus comes as your Savior. But what else is in your heart? What else is in your heart? What are the desires of your heart? What do you long for? Maybe it's to be reconciled with your dad. Maybe it's that this you can actually have trust again with your husband or with your wife. Maybe it's that you want to not be excluded all the time from that group of friends. Right? Maybe that annoying guy at the office would just shut up. Right? Or that you're always just so frustrated with your kids who are constantly squabbling. You want your baby to survive. You want your baby to be born. What are the desires of your heart? What are you fretting over? What are you stewing in? What are you demanding? Well, Jesus has come as a consolation of Israel. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon you. That means that you can boldly go to Jesus, bring in your anxieties, bring in your frustrations, bring in your demands to Jesus. And Advent right now is the perfect season to bring these unmet needs, these desires to God. Don't wallow in them. Give voice to the ache. Tell him what you want. Tell Jesus how much it hurts. Pour out your soul to the Lord. Cast all your desires upon him, for he cares for you. Advent. Advent is a season to learn how to wait. And you wait by giving your desires to God. So as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a family, I would challenge you to take this opportunity over the next several weeks of Advent 
to bring your desires to Jesus. Simeon waited for Christ's consolation, and he was led by the Holy Spirit to Jesus. And in seeing Jesus, his desires, his longing, his waiting was completely satisfied. So the exhortation is simple. This, this Advent, this Advent season, learn to wait like Simeon. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you have provided salvation through your son Jesus, but beyond that, you have also provided consolation. Father, I pray that this time would be a season not just to suppress or to bottle up our fears, our frustrations, our hopes, but we really would understand the meaning, the truth of Emmanuel, that you are with us so that way we can come to you. So I pray that we would come boldly, we'd come in faith, that we would come looking to your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Now at our Thanksgiving meal, uh, we've had a kind of a longer, a long-standing tradition uh, where we want to uh, give thanks, kind of go around the table and give thanks for things that have happened over the past year. Uh, but this, this particular Thanksgiving, I changed that up and I said, let's not be looking past, let's not think about what we gave are going to give thanks for for last year. Let's look forward. Let's give thanks for what we anticipate God to give us in the year to come. And uh, I think that's a lot like Simeon. We're looking forward. We're anticipating God's blessings. And I think that's actually much stronger. It's much more powerful than just looking back. We're anticipating what God's going to do. And the writer in Hebrews backs us up, uh, explaining in verse 1 of chapter 11. That's the faith chapter. He says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the things we have confidence in. We're confident. It's, a, it's the evidence of things not seen. Now, like Simeon looking forward to the promise of the Savior in his lifetime, we have the same impetus to look forward to the good things that God is bringing our way today, uh, tomorrow, this week, the year to come, and so forth. We can say good things. Why? Well, because at the same time uh, that we're looking at that chapter, if we get to verse 6, it says this. It says, that we are reminded that the faith that pleases God is inextricably tied to God's power and his grace. For this faith that pleases God, that those who believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. So God is both good, powerful, and full of grace. So these things that we are believing are the pipelines for us. So the things that we are believing are coming our way are like in a pipeline. And they're going to be good things coming from a good God. And wonderfully, God in his goodness gives us helps in the exercise of our faith. He knows our frame. He knows we need help. And before us, for example, are tangible, physical reminders of his grace. Before us are the symbols of Christ's body being broken and his blood shed to satisfy the just punishment of our sins. By his stripes, we are healed. By his sacrifice, we are born again into a living hope. So what does looking forward in hope look like in terms of this meal? We look forward to the same level of intimacy that we have here, the eternal God meeting with us at this table, walking with us moment by moment in this week to come, looking forward to being strengthened in the knowledge of God's Holy Spirit that he's with us moment by moment, guiding us and reminding us that we are his. We are looking forward to his revelation of how he will use us to bring glory to his name in what we say and do in the week to come. We are looking forward to this walk extending into eternity. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you've given us your son. You entered your creation. You entered your creation and suffered not only as a servant, but unto death for our sakes. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for, for coming and connecting yourself to us in the flesh for eternity. Father, we thank you for this meal that we can be reminded of that blessing that has come to us, but not just a blessing in the past, but the fact that you have connected us with your Holy Spirit. You have sealed us with your Holy Spirit that we might walk with you moment by moment for eternity. Father, let this hope, this glory, this, this revelation of your goodness drive us to our knees in thankfulness and joy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. So season is both a time of joyful anticipation and it is a time for your, your desires, your sorrows to be brought to Christ. So um, joyful anticipation, enjoying the good things like hot chocolate, like sister's cookies, like caroling in the square. Uh, be there 4 p.m. That is a wonderful time to enter into the joy of Advent waiting and to remember that to wait with a happy heart, with a joyful heart, Christ has come. Bring your needs to him. Now receive with believing hearts the benediction. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And all God's people said, amen.